Welcome back to another episode of Fight in Progress, a podcast conversation about our men and women in law enforcement and the challenges they face. With lead stress coach and founder of Under the Shield Foundation, Susan Simmons, and Arizona police officer, Ace Walker. Welcome to episode nine of Fight in Progress, our first, however, the really true podcast. It's true. This is audio only. This audio is our first only. one. Yes. I'm very we, excited. Yeah, I kind of figured they got tired of looking at us anyway, so it was time to go to audio. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll give them a new way to be entertained now. Get enough comments that you're looking sleepy. Maybe it's time to just go to audio. Yeah, thanks, you guys. You did look like you were getting your mugshot made, and we needed to put numbers under your face. Well, it's like I told you that one time. It was, you know that little app on your phone, on like the iPhones, where you can make the animals look like your face, make it look like you're talking? Can't say that I've actually done that, but it doesn't surprise me that you have. Okay, yeah. So I have that on my phone, and it, it'll mimic your face, right? It'll <laughs> smile with you or talk with you, whatever, and you can pick like... You know, a panda bear or an alien or whatever. So my kids are playing with it, and they're like, "Dad, you do it." So I pull the phone over to my face and immediately, and like, just a normal face, right? And immediately, it like closes its eyes and gets a sad face. And I was like, "What the hell? Is that my face? Is that what I look like all the time?" And everybody just starts laughing, and nobody answers. So I guess I got my answer on that one. I thought maybe Satan popped up with horns or something. Oh but anyway. man, no. Apparently, I just like resting bitch face is a thing. Apparently, I have the guy version of that. Yeah, so. it was pretty interesting. So it was time to it was time to get our mugs off of there and now just give information. Yeah, we want it to be a little bit less formal. Yes. I, I feel like this is the right thing, just sitting in your office chit-chatting. Absolutely. Yeah. Here in the Under the Shield office. All right, so what are we going to talk about today, my friend? So we got our topic, which is family safety and protection and planning. Yeah, right, right here before an interesting election, this might be a good topic. What do you think? Yeah, probably a good idea. Especially by the way, I voted this morning for all you people who haven't voted. Get your butts out and vote. Oh, how exciting. Vote properly, though. Well, go Biden 2020. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, <laughs> out. Get out. Get out. I need a new co-host for the podcast now because we have somebody who has apparently hit their head or jump ship or oh, something's yeah. wrong with him. Yeah, well, I mean... Not that we're politically going to try to motivate anyone in a particular direction, but we are not PC correct on this show. I'm here with you weekly, so there's something wrong with me. All right. So before we get started on our show today, I want to talk a little bit about our sponsor, who's Universal MMA. They just came out with a new deal this week, 15 bucks per class, which is crazy. Yeah, for BJJ. Um, they teach Brazilian jiu-jitsu and boxing. Uh, they call it striking. I've seen it. It's like MMA stuff, so it's not one particular technique or another for those of you that are really into it like I am. Um, but this Tuesday... Wait a uh, minute. Excuse me. Really yeah. into it? You haven't done it since when? Well, I haven't been in a class, but I train all the time. Thanks, Susan. <laughs> and he went and had a great time, and they kicked his ass. They they did. I was I, I was completely smoked at the end of that class. <laughs> But this Tuesday, um, if you guys want to go, especially those of you trying it out who don't have geese or gear, anything like that, that it might be your first time, you don't want to spend 200 bucks on a gi, um, because really you should spend good money on a gi. This Tuesday is their first time, and it'll be every last Tuesday of the month. They're doing no gi day, which means you can just wear workout clothes, show up and get your butt kicked, right? So if you show up this Tuesday, 6 p.m., so what's today, the 27th? Yes. So No, 26th. 26th. So the 27th. At 6 o'clock, if you guys want to show up and get your butt kicked, just bring $15, and you can jump in on an hour-and-a-half-long class. That's a really long BJJ class. A lot of classes are a half hour to an hour. Um, you do a little bit of rolling at the end. This one, it's an hour full of technique training, and then the last half hour, you're rolling and rotating throughout the class. It is 
awesome. So again, 15 bucks per class. Class is an hour and a half. Their phone number, they're here in Mesa. Their phone number is 480-988-9688. And their website is ufitmma.com. That's the letter U, fitmma.com. Go check them out. They are awesome. All right. So, and that's Mesa, Arizona. I yes. hate it when people just give cities. Is there another Mesa? I'm sure there is somewhere in this country. There's mm. another Mesa. That's fair. We got a Miami here. That you're right, and yeah. we have and a Florence. A, uh, we got all kind of things that yeah. are all over the country. And we have so like that's a Baghdad or something. Probably. Yeah. It's the desert. I'm or, sure if people uh, are blowing things up. Named it Baghdad. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Mesa, Arizona. So all of you, especially here in the East Valley, which is east of Phoenix, for those of you who don't live in the Arizona area, yeah. it took me a year to figure all this stuff out mm-hmm. after I moved out here. But So in their scheduling's a little out of whack right now. They have opened up a couple more days. I was talking with him yesterday, the owner, Danger. Um, they've opened up a couple more days this week, and they will be moving forward because the COVID thing's kind of lightening up so they can have more regular classes, but this is awesome with the $15 a day. You can literally just find their schedule, drop in whenever you want, pay them $15 cash, enjoy the day, no contract, no nothing. Um, and that's for law enforcement and fire only that special rate. Sorry, I didn't say that earlier, uh, but that is just for them. They have different rates for you regular folk out there. How about military? Are they um, included in that? He didn't mention that in the email. Um, he seems the type though. I, I, I'd have oh, to I'm going to go ahead and vol- volunteer for that. So <laughs> danger, if you're upset, it's, this is on me, but we're going to include you military types. Yeah. Email Susan in danger. this also absolutely susan.simmons at under the shield.com yeah she's doing your marketing now absolutely all right so jumping into today's topic we talked about this a little bit yesterday this is something that there was it seems like there's a lot here to talk about especially with these crazy elections coming up riots going on all kinds of stuff people are buying guns at record numbers right now do you see the numbers in california they're skyrocketing well it's about time these people got on board <laughs> and got half a brain and started buying something worth buying it, yeah i agree you can't so, have too many yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more with that, especially if it's a 1911, which I'm in love with. I got a new one. I personally want the FN57. That'll come one day. Oh, those are pretty sweet. That'll come one day. Yeah, those are cool. So th- on that topic, with the with weapons being armed, that kind of thing. So I think before all this craziness this year, people were probably a little less comfortable on average when it came to owning a firearm, handling a firearm. Uh, those Some those, people. Yeah, those numbers seem to be changing. Um, I know in our, in our community, the law enforcement community, that's not too much of an issue. Sometimes a spouse isn't really very interested, but I think more often than not, they really are interested. It's something that well, they're... And if they're not, then we need to have a conversation. Right, I think it's all about education. It is, and about awareness of reality in this world because I didn't become as big a gun person as I did until the threat on my children. Oh, right. And needless to say, I was the one with them the majority of the time. So that became very important for me Yeah. to make sure I was prepared to do that. Is that when you started carrying? A lot more conscious about making sure I was carrying. Right. I'd always been a gun person. Uh, being married to a DEA agent kind of made you that way anyway. Yeah. But then... The children, their res- the responsibility of those made, I did not leave the house without a gun ever. Yeah. I didn't ever shoot a gun until I came to Arizona. And it was still a few years after that. I've only been here 10 years since 2010. And yeah, but you came out of California. It I explains did. a lot. I did. Yeah. We, we did. Um, back then it was martial arts, stick fighting, knife fighting, that kind of thing. That was, that was the thing to have was a pocket knife. Nobody, nobody I knew had a gun and I knew some kind of crooked people and they there were no guns anywhere i know my cousin had one but it was locked up with like 15 chains and everything of around course. it and all, all these rules and regulations on it only have 10 rounds in it all kinds of crazy crap um remember seeing that once but my parents didn't own one not that i know of I, it, as far as i know now they still don't own one which they probably should um <laughs> everybody and i was you know what i was reading yesterday in uh there's a 
don't know if it's a county or a city in Georgia. I'd have to look it back up. They mandated back in, it was like 89 or 92, that every... It's a city. It's a small town. Yeah, it's, every um, homeowner... It's either Kennesaw or... Uh, is that, it Kennesaw? It was Kennesaw. That was yeah. it. Yes. That every head of the household had to own a gun by law. Absolutely. It's and, a city ordinance. <laughs> and burglary and home crimes went down 98%. They've had no violent <laughs> crimes, I don't think, in over like 35 There's, years or something. From the rest of Georgia, on average, they're still down 85%. I looked yes. that stat up yesterday. That's an and FBI it's just stat. north of Atlanta. It's not like it's out in the middle of nowhere. It's, yeah. it's a suburb. Matter of fact, I have a, a very dear friend who's a sergeant there, Bostic, if you're listening, why don't you uh, email me and let me know if that's still uh, a big deal there and about your crime rate, or I'll call you. Yeah, and why they haven't done it anywhere else. I, well, I agree with you. At least the perception, I mean, nobody's going around checking houses to see if there's a gun there, but the assumption is there's probably one. Yeah. Well, just like in Arizona, I think people assume. Oh, for sure. Since we don't have to have CCWs out here. And I have to tell you, when I moved out here, and I asked around about my CCW, and they were like, Susan, welcome to the Wild West. And I thought, I have found my home. Uh-huh. And every cop in Alabama went, oh, crap. Yeah. Yeah, when I found that out, that was crazy. When I first moved here, I remember I was working at Pet Boys. I, for those of you who don't know, this job is law enforcement. That is job number 24. I've had a lot of jobs. I've done almost everything from bakery, roofing, to... Oh my gosh. First legitimate job, hot dog on a stick before that. And if you really knew him, you'd understand why this makes sense. <laughs> Los Angeles Times handing out uh, newspaper subscriptions or trying to get people to sign. That turned out to be uh, an illegal thing going on. They arrested the dude in charge of it. And then, of course, I lost my job. Uh, <laughs> but Jake, you passed a polygraph to get in law enforcement. I'm not sure that's something you should well, be confessing to. Well, I was 13. So to, yeah. I was, it was before, it was before 18. That if it happened matter. before you're 18, they don't care too much. <laughs> <laughs> sure that's what they all say yeah but when i first came out here working at pet boys i remember working behind the counter and i was stocking something and this guy walks in like straight out of a john wayne movie and has a six shooter on each hip mm -hmm. and I, like i thought it was a costume and then i asked my manager i was like what's going on with this guy like hey welcome to arizona dude because it had only been two weeks since i was here we got married moved and started my job in three days <laughs> it was it was crazy we had no money so we had to do what we had to do but yeah i remember seeing that and just like that's crazy because like i told you in california you don't even like not only do you not see guns you don't talk about them it's like not a thing they're like well, a unicorn depends on which part of california you're well, sure. in I, I grew up in southern california in there's Ventura some neighborhoods County. that i think you could probably find lots of guns that well, are not fair legal enough. fair enough on that so i don't think they abide by the the state requirements there well, and especially knowing what i know now looking back that's definitely true but, but i would love to know how many law enforcement officers don't carry off duty i hope that number is really really small you know and I'd, I'd love to say that it is but so i was just as a for instance and this is just a little snapshot so i don't know if it's representative and my department who shall go unnamed like voldemort uh for for my safety and theirs <laughs> but the, the, it's a smaller department so I don't know what the numbers represent um, as far as like if I'm comparing my department to another. But we're sitting in a briefing. There's seven of us on a squad. And the sergeant at the time, I was pretty new. It was when I was on my first grave shift. Um, this sergeant, wonderful human, no sarcasm there, uh, started asking <laughs> us all if we, uh, if we carry our firearms off duty. I don't know how the topic came up. But out of the seven of us, two of us said no, right? Wow. One guy was brand new, like just out of the... Uh, Academy FTO program, right? So brand new. I figured these new cats are scared straight. Oh, no, they, I've been teaching in academies. No, the new recruits are very, it's a different breed They're dainty right now. now, It's so it seems. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, 
couldn't agree more with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but so two of them, one of them, this brand new cat, and the other one is a guy that went through the academy with me, uh, got hired on with the uh, sheriff's department mm-hmm. in Maricopa County, and then he transferred over to us. Um, and both of them were like, no, I don't carry like ever. And the new guy just said, oh, I, d- I just don't see a reason why I'd need it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, <laughs> think out that logic for a second. Of course, you don't think you need it until you do. Absolutely. And of course, the chances are small. But would you rather not? Like, why carry a spare tire in your car then? Uh, I, like, well, I have insurance. Right. I haven't used it. I'm 61 years old. Like, haven't used insurance on my car. And now that I've said that, we'll have a wreck this afternoon. But, <laughs> um, but the reality is he's too young. He probably hasn't ticked off enough people for him to understand. It's true. He was 21. And, and it, it, it'll bite him in the butt, and then he'll carry in the shower. He'll carry when he walks to his kitchen. He'll carry yeah. all the time and be super paranoid. Yeah. And that's that's an issue. But, you know, I've, I've had officers tell me all throughout the 28 years at Under the Shield that they don't carry. It'll be old-timers, too. will go, no, I don't carry. Uh, you know, Susan, uh, there's no need for it. And I go, but here's the problem. If you do need it, they aren't going to wait for you to go home or go to your car to get it. Right. So why not have it and not need it than to need it and not have it? Big difference, especially when your family's with you. I've had to work with officers before that bad things happened Mm -hmm. off duty with their families Mm -hmm. and they were not prepared. And that's a special kind of person to have to deal with in those situations. Even if nothing bad happens to the family, you know, it's kind of that that subconscious thing rolling around and it's could have gone really bad. And then they beat themselves up. Oh, sure. And you know, to, well, woulda. to the spouses out there who say, yes, mine carries his everywhere. And I think it's ridiculous. Here's my question to you. If they were a doctor, would you mind them carrying their medical bag with them everywhere? Right. Or married to a firefighter. I think they have fire extinguishers in every room Every vehicle, everywhere, anybody complain about that? The gun is a tool of the trade. So I don't know what they'd say about somebody like me who's not a cop, never been a cop, just married to one who always has a gun within reach. I guess I'm just a paranoid individual. But here's what I teach. Paranoid in this industry means prepared. So be paranoid. Yeah, I wrote. So I have a thought on that because I wrote down in my notes before the for the podcast today, I wrote down being prepared without being paranoid, right? Which mm-hmm. is a little opposite of what you said, but same idea, I think, is, so for instance, the, the other officer who wasn't brand new, the one uh-huh. that went through the academy with me, he said that the reason that he doesn't carry off duty is because when he clocks out at the end of the day, he's not a cop anymore. Yeah, right. And I don't, I don't know how you mentally solve that. I, I, like, I can't turn that, like, it's it's who I am. I get it. Maybe I'm just a, a cop nerd. I don't know. I feel like that's pretty normal, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a cop all the time, 24-7, whether I got my uniform on or not. Um, and this, he was convinced. He was just like, it just seems unnecessary. Like, I hang out with family. I go here. I go to, you know, maybe I'll go to the store or whatever. And I'm like, you know, and on its face, I get how right there, just a snapshot on its face of that argument, how some people go, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, but that's but our whole job is playing the contingencies. Like, we, well, we play the what-ifs all day long. If I'm going to a call for a totally normal dispute, like, oh, you know, my sister's arguing with me and I want her to leave, but she won't leave. Mm-hmm. I'm going there like, okay, well, I'm going to ask her to leave and she's probably going to go because she doesn't want to get arrested. Right. But if she doesn't, mm-hmm. and if this happens, I run 100 scenarios before the seven-minute drive it takes to get to that house. Here's what I would say to that officer. So, 
I guess the criminal element, the people you deal with during your shift, they also were off duty. Right. <laughs> I don't think so. No. And the reality is they will remember you before you remember them. Yeah, that's no doubt. And so, I mean, it's like I have officers walk up to me all the time and I tell my classes, if I call you Han, I ain't got a clue who you are. <laughs> if you're not in the right uniform in the right place with the right people, I don't know who you are. That's why it's safe to come to under the shield. But the reality is, is you may be off duty, but your department probably has policies and procedures about what you're supposed to do off duty. I know a lot of departments do. Mm-hmm. If you're in a bank doing your banking business during the daytime and you're off duty um, and it gets robbed and somebody finds out there was an off duty cop in there, yeah. there are some agencies that you'll get crucified over that. Yeah, I know in the academy we went through, I'm going to have to look it up now, exactly what the rules were as far as like your expectation of duty, right? Like on or off, kind of. But that's department by department. Right. And you're always sworn. And I know in the state of Arizona, when you get sworn in, it's, you get sworn in as a state State. officer and by the county that you're hired in, right? By the sheriff of that. Right. Wherever you're hired in. Um, So I don't know if it changes per county. I'm not sure. Um, I'd have to look that up, actually. That's never crossed my mind before. Well, but here's the (laughs) other problem. As a police officer, because you've chosen this lifestyle, Mm -hmm. most of you, not all of you, there are exceptions to every rule, but most of you are doing it because you want to make a difference. Are you really going to be able to live with yourself if you see something go down, a child gets hurt, something bad happens to a good person, you're off duty, Right. And the only reason you couldn't get involved was because you weren't prepared. Yeah. That's just not something I'd want to take a risk of. So I, I run on that side of the argument all always. day long. I'm, you I'm should. always on that side. And a guy who I work with now on the squad that I'm on, uh, well-respected dude. He's been around a while, uh, ex-military guy, knows his stuff, really squared away. Um, it, he's actually, he just took team lead position uh, of the SWAT team of my particular team. Uh, nice. And, and man, he's made some good changes. Awesome guy. If you're out there, you know who you are. Thanks. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he made, he made a point. He's, he's really good with, with these kind of conversations cause he'll play devil's advocate a little bit because mm-hmm. I know that this dude carries all the time. Right. Good. Um, but he, he made an argument, um, as far as hypervigilance, something you're, I'm sure familiar with because it's one of the signs of PTS, right? It is, but or I don't agree ind- with indicator it. maybe, but I don't agree. I, I okay. do believe hyper startle is hypervigilance for you guys is scanning your environment. We got people walking up and ambushing cops sitting in right. their patrol cars. I want you hypervigilant. I don't want the hyper startle to be out there because right. that's just overreacting to sounds or whatever. Somebody touching you, but hypervigilance. And I hate that you have to be, but I want you hypervigilant, especially yeah. on duty. Yeah, so he he made the comment. So on, and I agree mm-hmm. on on face value. I agree. He made the comment though that that seems like being hyper vigilant all the time, which is kind of implied in the phrase or in the word hyper vigilance, that that could be unhealthy, right? And taking a break, like if you're at home setting your gun in a different room and sitting on the couch, he's like that that could be healthy, mm-hmm. right? And he's not a psychologist or anything. I think this. I don't know if he's learned this or if this is just his opinion, but it makes sense to me. Like, well, yeah, taking a break from that, it's like, but within reason, right? Because I mean. If we're, if we're talking about hypervigilance and not being able to separate yourself, when I sit on the couch at like 1130 at night mm-hmm. with my wife and I'm watching a TV show, my gun is sitting in its holster on the table in front of me. Sure. Just because just, like in my mind, it's like if something happens, do I want to have to run to the bedroom? Like, right. And I'm always thinking those what ifs. And sure, maybe, and I could see how that could get out of hand. 
But well, I mean, I, if you've got one strapped on each hip and on your ankles and <laughs> you got your AR slung over your shoulder and you're just walking from the den to the kitchen, I might say we need to have a conversation. <laughs> right, going last blood on Yes, us. yes. But again... <laughs> or first blood. So, again, you've got fire extinguishers in your house. Yeah. You have one near the stove. I assume you should have one near your stove. Well, we did until Ryder decided to blow it all over the countertop. And then the wife had to clean it up. That's for what children months. are for. They're, spe- they're educating parents on how fire extinguishers work. But, but again, nobody would think that was paranoid behavior. Right. Now, if the firefighters walk around the house with it, you know, just to walk around the house with it, just in case something sparks or whatever, I'd say that's probably a little excessive. So it's more about the stigma of firearms yes. is what you're saying. Yes. That, and that makes sense. So with, I know my wife, um, we tried a couple different firearms, uh, for her to carry <laughs> and she never carried anything i bought three different guns she was just uninterested i got that little glock 43 one i'm carrying right now mm-hmm. um great handgun mm-hmm. comfortable small light it great handgun she had no interest in it i mean she we got it so she could carry it she's like oh yeah i got a gun and she carried it for like a week and was like eh, it's like heavy in my purse and whatever <laughs> and what we ended up settling on was a 380 revolver and you got me on revolvers and i know all you revolver haters out there i was one of you like six months ago just get over it go do some research or something they're not what you think they are um they're very reliable. unless you know more than me then they're probably what you think they are and no they're very reliable for someone who doesn't shoot all the time or that you're not gonna light it with some munition and right. figure out how they respond with adrenaline right it's a very effective tool yeah well and also if you want to argue with me you don't have a seat in the room so right I'll see you online <laughs> uh, <laughs> i can just ignore you yes. um but we found that for her. it was a smith and wesson uh a third uh, 38 special uh hammerless she loves that little j frame yeah. yep she doesn't go anywhere without that exactly if, if she's not taking her purse that thing can sit right in the waistband of her yoga pants and she's fine it doesn't go anywhere it's an air weight that i mean the thing's awesome we got the pro model which it's all i don't know it's all fancy here's case. a little footnote for you Law enforcement males that buy a gun for your wife, let her be the first one to shoot it. Yeah, can confirm. kind of went out on his own to shoot it first, and that didn't go over really well, oh, nor I should got... it have. So just just a little side note there. I got access to a range, and she doesn't. Well, then she should have had access. But... <laughs> yeah, lesson learned on that one, guys. Um, if you get her a gun, let her shoot it first, or at least take her with you when mm-hmm. you shoot it the first mm-hmm. time. Um, that'll cause a little bit of turmoil. Unnecessary. So, okay, so... With your wife carrying, um, something I learned about, so now that my wife and I carry, we have guns in the house, right? Um, we keep them accessible to us. Mm-hmm. I do have a gun safe, right? Mm-hmm. I think a responsible gun over, owner should have a gun safe, depending on what guns you have and where you're keeping them and all that kind of stuff, right? I know some law enforcement guys just have their duty weapon um, and they keep it at work or whatever. That's that's your call, man. Like I say, I like to have mine on me all the time. I'm sitting in an office with Susan in a house and I have a gun. So it's just, and she does too. It's, yeah, around it's, here somewhere. It, it's, it's a personal decision. I, I respect your decision either way, but I have my opinion. Um, when it comes to kids in the house, what I learned, um, and I don't remember who taught me cause I remember somebody telling me about it and me going, Oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense was killing the curiosity. Right. Absolutely. So, and it is completely proven to be true with my kids. I have three kids, nine, seven, and three, mm-hmm. right? So plenty of curiosity there, right? So I have um, kind of one of each. I got a rifle, I got a shotgun, a couple handguns. And my kids have seen 
all of them. They've got to handle all of them. And eventually they got to go take them all out to uh, the range out in the desert and shoot everything that they could reasonably manage. Um, except for the three-year-old. She's not quite ready. To <laughs> She'll probably be your biggest yeah. gun advocate. She, well, she was able to uh, to plink with the twenty-two rifle because that thing's that got nothing on it. But the, uh, the boys, having them like at home... Mm-hmm. Sit down with me, somebody who knows about firearms now and can teach them gun safety, teach them all the particulars on how that particular firearm works. Um, like, this is the trigger. This is how this works. This is what hit this is the firing pin that hits the bullet. The bullet comes out here, goes very fast, and it makes things explode or, you know, break or die or whatever, you know. So, and it teaches, it kind of answers all their questions about it. Mm-hmm. And so I can now, not saying this is a responsible decision, I can now and have on when I come home from work, mm-hmm. when I'm setting all my stuff down, I can set my gun in a holster on the table as I'm setting stuff down. The kids will wander through, whatever. They pay it no mind, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'm sure they see it, but they don't, it doesn't draw them to it like, ooh, it's the gun, right? Right. They, they walk right past it. I've seen that dozens of times. They, they sure. just do not bother with it because they know what it is and they know that it can be dangerous if it's not handled properly because they've seen what it can do to a watermelon right and please so, do shoot fruit with your children yeah not a hole in a piece of paper on a target yeah kids need to be impacted about it yeah and you shoot an orange you shoot a cantaloupe you shoot a honey do something and it goes blah that kind of has an impact on kids and that, it should that's why the shotgun is their favorite and most scary those are their words because it really <laughs> makes a mess because it knocked them on their butt and it blew the watermelon to sure. smithereens so yeah that is totally effective so educating your kids properly on firearms is super important it, like we like we were just talking about when we started talking about firearms right mm-hmm. now it's a, there's a stigma and that's from lack of education on firearms, Absolutely. right? You, you don't set a gun on the table and it doesn't just go off. Right. Right. Um, the, the, there are mechanics there that have to happen, right? Your car doesn't just start itself in the middle of the night. Exactly. Firearms don't just go off. Right. Right. So it's, it's all about proper education, proper handling, um, and just being really, really safe. And there are universal firearm rules. Look them up on Google. I'm not going to go through them with you. My firearms instructor would probably ding me if I got one of the words wrong. So <laughs> stay away from that. But well, we did the same thing with ours. I told him anytime you want to shoot, mm-hmm. we will stop what we're doing, whichever one of us was home and take them right out. We could go out in our backyard and shoot. Yeah. And so it was never later or any of that stuff. The only time we really made sure ours were really secure was when friends were over because we didn't know what their education level was. Exactly. With regards to firearms. Yeah. We have to do the same when kids' friends come over. Yes. And because they wander through the house, whatever, and can't have my rifle sitting on the side of my bed. You know what I mean? Well, and I wanted my kids educated enough so that if they went to someone else's house Mm -hmm. that had guns, I didn't have to be concerned. I mean, if I lock all my guns up and they're never educated on it, taught about it, taken the curiosity out of it, and they go to somebody else's house, guess what? They're going to be curious about the gun or find one somewhere. Absolutely true. In the South, that would not be that uncommon. And so they find one, and now they're curious about it, and they're looking down the barrel and don't know if it's loaded or what it'll do. Educate your kids, guys. This is a That's why we call it a lifestyle. Yeah. Everybody needs to know how they work and what they'll do. So... and the more comfortable you make them, it, it just becomes a normal part of life, right? Like seeing a sure. spatula. It's just a thing sure. that's there. That's It's supposed to be there. Uh, my kids, because and, and I'm sure that you officers out there, when you watch like a movie and somebody muzzles somebody on TV or something, you cringe a little bit. You're like, oh, we wouldn't do that in real life. Like, oh, that's bad. Like, oh, crossfire. Uh, my kids are getting to that point now because 
I cringe or when I teach them, like, hey, we never pointed at another person, right? Uh, you know, unless we have a really good reason to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And there might be reasons to. So, you got, I mean, you got to tell them, you might have to decide based on their age when to have this Make conversation. Right? age appropriate, absolutely. Yeah, because it, it, they're not going to understand good guys and bad guys and that kind of stuff when they're young as far as why somebody might get shot. And so, ask questions after you talk to your kids. This is another good story. My son is going to cringe when he listens to this, this badass (laughs) Marine. Um, Yeah, when he was little, probably about three years old, and we lived in a cul-de-sac, and I had taught him about strangers, and I had this thing knocked out of the ballpark, and so we put it to a test, had somebody come out, and he's playing in the front yard, and I'm watching out the front window, and car barely stops, and he opens the door and crawls in. Fortunately, it was an undercover cop he didn't know, and I open the door as I go bolting out the front, grab him out of the car, and go, Marshall, this is a stranger, and this little kid looks up at me and serious as a heart attack, and he goes, no, mama. I said, what? This is a stranger. He goes, no, he doesn't have two heads. Somewhere in my adult conversation, I had talked about strangers being (laughs) two-faced. Never bothered to say, now, Marshall, what does a stranger look like? And he'd have said they have two heads, and I would have corrected it. Make sure you understand your children's vocabulary is not quite what yours is necessarily. And so sometimes you got to go, okay, what did you just hear me say? And let them tell you what they heard you say and make sure it's being translated properly. Oh, yeah. I mean, for goodness sakes, we teach those kind of skills in a marriage with two adults. Well, we so, try. We try. Right, right, right. Some, so some are faster learned than All others. the more necessary with a kid with very limited vocabulary Absolutely. based on their years on earth. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So it, it's really important that when you're explaining this gun safety because so if you couldn't tell huge advocate of having a gun in the home yes uh, i think it's a responsible decision uh, i don't think it's it's dangerous unless you do it wrong right educating sure. and understanding what the stigmas are and understanding how to handle that thing is gonna it's you do it with scissors you do it with knives you do it exactly. with stoves you do it with everything else in your home that can hurt a child yeah and so why wouldn't you do it with that? Right, right. I, they got a, they got a bad rap, man, because they, they're scary, right? They're Absolutely. scary. So, and and I get that, guys, but you got to educate yourself on things. You can't sit back and be ignorant about something and then, you know, try and claim all this nonsense online how guns kill people. Um, I'll argue with you all day and I'll win. Uh, I don't care what you say. And I, yeah, he <laughs> argues with himself and wins. <laughs> um, but I'm going to correct something else you said about your guy over the SWAT team and his talking about hypervigilance and how he's not a um, psychologist. Uh, I'm fixing to tick off a lot of people in the mental health world. (laughs) Nothing new here. Um, But the reality is, and and truly people in the mental health world, if you want to work with law enforcement, you need to understand this. I think y'all are better psychologists than most PhDs. I know psychology is the study of human behavior. Mm -hmm. This is how you guys live. Most of us in the mental health world have studied it out of a book and from what limited life experiences we may or may not have. And y'all study it from real life and people's lives making a difference. Yeah. And so I really think you're better psychologist than most of them out there. Um, I actually got a two-page letter from a psychologist out of Texas one time when he was very offended. Am I saying that? And I thought the <laughs> fact that he had time in a major department to write me a two-page letter probably said a whole lot (laughs) that he had that kind of time because I don't really have I didn't have time to even respond to him to be honest with you I stay so busy but um, y'all really are pretty pretty uh, well-trained psychologist because you're reading 
Well, you're reading people's nonverbals. Right. You're looking at their hands, their eyes, their heads, their body language, everything. Yeah. And so you, y'all are pretty good psychologists. Well, he, he's a pretty clever dude, so that's, that's why I trusted him and used his, his info on the show. Sure. Um, so, we've talked about families, firearms, kids, teaching them about firearms. Um, all this really important, guys. And if, if you have... Um, so, for instance, I have a brother-in-law who I recently... He, he doesn't have any firearms, and he doesn't have access to get any, and he doesn't have the funding, right? So, I lent him a home protection firearm. I took him out to the range, taught him how to use it, lent it to him. It's family, right? We can take care of each other. Sure. It's it's really important that you find some outlet to educate yourself, right? If you don't know a cop or if, you know, if you say your your spouse listening to this and your your law enforcement spouse doesn't want to take you out to the range or can't find the time or whatever, all the excuses, um, find a way to get out there and do that. It's important that you know how to protect you and yours and it's it's peace of mind, right? Yeah, but let me say this. Go ahead. <laughs> You men in law enforcement, I really don't recommend you try to teach your spouse. Because I had a I, good experience. I can, well, so you, far. Well, fair enough. But I can remember comments being made when I was learning, and I was learning on a three fifty seven with a fairly long barrel. I okay. felt like I was Clint Eastwood. Yeah, I bet. That was one of my early experiences. <laughs> but anyway, but I remember a comment being made, something about I couldn't hit the side of a barn. And I remember my first thought being, start running and let's see how effective I am. Yeah. So I would encourage you to get your spouses someplace, especially men, and you're talking about your wives. Mm -hmm. Women just have different functions in the way their body works and the things they do. Actually, hand-eye coordination is actually better. But there are amazing groups. The ranges out here all have women's days and free shooting. I'm going to make a plug for some friends of of mine that uh, have a company out here called Guardian Training. She is a, it's a husband and wife team. She is a retired uh, federal air marshal, okay. former Chicago PD. He's a former officer with one of the departments here, Chandler, Arizona. And I send all females that I know to Karen. It's Karen and Josh Logan. Oh, yeah. And so I would strongly encourage people out here to contact them. They Let, have a business name? Mm-hmm, Guardian Gar- Training. Guardian Training. Is that a website? They do. And okay. I'm sure it's probably guardiantraining.com, but okay. you can message me if that's not it. But I'll put it they don't the even notes. know I'm talking about them today, but I will certainly let them know we did. But the um, at least for basics, introductory stuff. Then after that, then, you know, that'd be it. It's actually a fun thing some couples are doing for date night. Yep. And so I, I do encourage that. But for the basics from the beginning, let somebody else teach them. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, I mean, depending on your relationship, right? That, it sure. could be you don't want to be in a point of turmoil when you guys are holding firearms. But if you're going to be a smart <laughs> ass about it, right? So what what I did, if you're if you're thinking about doing it yourself, if you have the background, um, I'm not a firearms instructor, mm-hmm. but I've been to a ton of firearms instructing classes, um, and I've so when I get when I got onto PD, when I got onto the SWAT team, uh, going to all the different trainings, going to SWAT school, going to less lethal school, all this other stuff, you learn about how they teach people on the range, like sure. steps and that kind of thing. So I actually wrote up, I kind of mimicked our own lesson plan for like um, like a basic firearms instruction. Mm-hmm. And I brought her out there, except I brought interactive targets that were a little more fun. After she sighted in her own handgun, sure. um, I gave her things to shoot at that were a little more interesting than just a paper target. You know what right. I mean? Um, but she came, like when we left, 
Because I told her how I felt when I was in the academy. Mm-hmm. We spent two weeks at the range. Absolutely. Right? And we shot thousands of rounds. But when I left the academy or the uh, the range on week two, mm-hmm. I was the most dangerous man on the planet. <laughs> right? I was James so Bond. So you thought. Dude. Right. Absolutely. I was like, man, I could win any gunfight. Right? Yeah, and right. looking back, I was like, oh, dear God. Um, yep. But you but you really do. You have a sense of confidence. And that's, that's really. Confidence is the yeah. Key. And that's that's so important when yes. you're when you're just starting out with a firearm because that's what's going to make you respect it sure and it's and it's what's going to make you understand that thing as far as being a useful tool if you don't feel like you can use a tool like i'm willing to bet some of these older law enforcement guys who don't carry and like i said i'll see online if you want to argue with me we can debate this out and they only recall that's the only time they ever shoots for recall if you don't carry off duty i am willing to bet that you are not very confident with that firearm i agree with you i'm willing to bet that because here's here's one thing i train on duty when I can and when I have the time off duty before I go into shift things like that I go out to the range a couple times a month at least good at least you and should. I, I think everybody should when they're in this profession these are, you, these are perishable skills I, gang I've, I've said it before and I'll say it a hundred more times you lost the right mm-hmm. to not be good at this stuff and to not be healthy you need to take care of yourself so you can take care of others that's the whole point of the job if you can't do that what are you doing? Well, and Lieutenant Colonel Grossman will tell you, too, if you're having dreams of things like 200-pound trigger pull. Oh, yeah. Bullet falls out the end of the gun. <laughs> just falls out the end, yeah. All of those kinds of things. It's your subconscious telling you, you need to get back on a range. You're not feeling confident. Yeah. You haven't been out there enough. And your subconscious is telling you to get out there and do it. Yeah, your tools are getting dull. So now that Lieutenant, now I could have said that and y'all wouldn't pay me a bit of attention. But the minute Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman says it, y'all will all be jumping up and screaming, I'm having that dream and I got to go. And and that's fine. Wherever you get it from, that hurts my feelings, but that's okay. We'll accept it. I know my limitations here. Um, But one thing I want to talk about is the, the preparation plan I don't think most officers have especially you undercovers working in gangs, specialty units. What plan do you have with your family? If you're out at the mall, holidays are coming up if they don't burn everything down in a week. Yeah. And you're out in the mall and somebody walks up and says, officer so-and-so or deputy so-and-so or agent so-and-so, what plan do you have in place? Do y'all have one? Uh, No. Well, so and let me get my red man stick and beat right. you now. So, and this is the example, right? So, and I didn't want to, so I thought about this last night. I was like, oh, Susan's going to ring me up because I don't, I don't have like this emergency action plan, right? For my family necessarily. So my, my wife is pretty vigilant and I like to make that an excuse where we both pay attention. We can both kind of act on the fly mm-hmm. and there may be some truth in that because we're both trained and prepared, but a plan is a good thing to have, right? You e- have to, even if it's an I would say especially if it's an open-ended plan where you kind of have contingencies because things aren't going to go to plan. But I I wanted to be an example (laughs) with the show because I knew she was going to ask. Oh, yeah. So, no, we don't have a plan. And that's coming from somebody who I I would say myself, I I train a lot. I Mm -hmm. like to stay prepared. I I take my job and my life and my protection and my safety very seriously. So So you're hypervigilant about you. you, We're just not hypervigilant about our family. Is that what you're telling me? yeah, in yeah, effect, right? That's it. So, and that's and that's the thing. It's like, oh well, I can protect everyone, and I don't know that I've actually had that conversation with myself where it's like, oh, it's just all on me, and I got this. I don't need anything else. Not a good plan. It's no, of course not. Of course not. Not a good plan. So, and this this is what I'm saying, guys. Like admission moment, right? I'm telling you, I don't have a plan, but I'm gonna make one. Oh, tonight. he's fixing to get one right now. Yeah, I'm fixing to tell you what. Oh, to let's do. hear. It. Give me give me my plan. 
So let's say somebody walks up, you and and the wife and the kids are there, and they walk up and call you officer Mm so-and-so, and your wife needs to be alert to people approaching you. Mm -hmm. She needs to take the children, keep walking as if she doesn't know you, because there's no point in identifying as your family. Get to a safe distance where she can see you, and you guys need to have a signal that says call 911 or everything's okay. Otherwise, let me tell you what's going to happen. She's going to be all up in your business, and your kids are going to be all up in this business, and you're not going to be able to concentrate on that person to figure out if they're a threat or not. Right. And this is this is good even when you don't have kids, especially for the guys out there doing undercover work, because one of the smartest things mine ever did when we were in New Orleans, small business district, was to tell me, if we're in the same place at some point, and I don't know everybody with him or he's working, don't ever acknowledge him till he acknowledged me. And we wound up in a place that used to be, I think it was called something like Chevy's Bar and Grill or Restaurant or something <laughs> near the law firm where I was working. And I walked in with some attorneys and he was sitting at a table with another agent that I knew and two people I didn't know. And fortunately that kicked in because the attorneys are going, hey, isn't that your husband? I'm going, I don't know if it is or not. <laughs> Can't tell you that right now. And it was an undercover deal. And fortunately, I didn't, because what would I have done? I'd have walked up and been all up in his business. Right. Hey, I'm Susan. I'm his wife. And they'd have been going, and who is, that's not the name he gave us. And mm-hmm. I'd have blown who knows how much time of undercover work. Right. And it would not have gone well, and it would have been a problem at our home, because I didn't know better. And yeah. my attitude was, if he can't, if I can't acknowledge him, he can't acknowledge me. And I had just as much fun. So come up with these plans, guys. If you never need them, great. But if you need them, that ain't the time to create the plan. Right, it's just like in talking the about having the a gun. crisis. Right, and kids have to know this too. What do you, what do kids what do your kids tell people that you do for a living if somebody asks them? They've gone between different things. Daisha tried the whole garbage man thing. Takes out the garbage. <laughs> it's it's um, an accurate statement. It's, yeah. So it, I think they tell some people that. Um, I think most of the time they just say, "I don't know," which as of right now is okay because they're pretty young and people sure. can believe that. I think when they're older and people and they say, I don't know, that might be a little weird. Um, we've basically, when I've talked to him, Daisha usually does the talking to him. But sure. when I talk to him, I usually tell him, hey, just don't openly bring up that I'm a cop or that daddy has a gun. Well, the interesting part will be too, if they ever come home from a sleepover at somebody's house and it's the first time they spent the night there mm-hmm. and they never get invited back. <laughs> it's probably because children are known for saying things when parents go, oh, what does your daddy do? And mm-hmm. they go, he shoots people. Oh, yeah. Um, they aren't sure what that means. Yeah. We always said um, works for the government is what we told ours. Although, honestly, when they were young, after everything happened, we played with the idea of saying that he was a traveling shoe salesman. But then we had to figure out how we were going to rectify that when they turned 16 and 17. They find out right. we've been lying to them their whole life. That's probably not a good plan either. Right. So you, again, age appropriate. Yeah. That, that's where my issue lies. I don't, I, there's something inside of me that is like absolutely despises the idea of lying. And mm-hmm. I just like, I don't know, overdeveloped sense of justice or something. And so I want my kids to be able to be honest so they don't have to lie about it, but vague. <laughs> well, you're a government worker. Right. So something like that, that was, I was more comfortable with something like that than mm-hmm. I was with, um, you know, uh, the garbage man. Yeah. Thing. Flat out bold face lie. Even yeah. Though we and, could make it fit I don't if know, we wanted cause to. Cause it's not like it really matters in the context of their conversation with this person. I just feel like 
I don't want to put them in a position to lie about anything. Right. So if any of you are feeling the same way, you're not alone. Um, I, I but just, nowadays, we don't know what the criminal element looks like. Right. And that's the problem. At yeah. school, on field trips, whatever, and people just ask questions, yeah. and they're volunteering this information, it, it could be a problem. Yeah. So create the plan now in the safety of your homes mm-hmm. before you have to use it. And for you, those of you that have told your families that if somebody approaches you in a mall to keep walking and go out to the car and wait for you, that will never happen. Right, because they're not going to leave you there and not pay attention. Nor should they. Right. That's why you have a signal, if things are probably not good, yeah. that they could then call 911 and get some backup just in case. Yep. But you have to have that plan ahead of time. And kids need to know it, too, because, again, you might be at the mall with just your children. Yeah. So what else did you want to talk about today? This is a topic we could talk about for days, truthfully. And there are some things that uh, actually I've been thinking of, too, that have come up in this that I want to make sure that we cover in, in future future programs. But, um, you know, safety of your families, I will tell all of you, get on a website called FamilyTreeNow.com. Yeah, we this, this is one that I have some very good friends that are they're now retired female FBI agents. They put me onto this years ago. To remove your info? Yes. Yeah. Because that is one that it is so simple. All you have to do is put in your last name and your state. I put in my last name, my original state where I was born, South Carolina. I did Louisiana. I did Alabama, now Arizona. And all the information was popping up, every address I'd ever lived. My buddy put in my phone number and found out where I live, Yep. who my spouse might be, Yes. the names of two of my kids. They didn't have my youngest. Like, it's crazy. Oh, it'll have everybody tied to yeah. you. Yeah. It, family, ex-girlfriends. Absolutely. It had my ex-husband's second wife yeah. and child. Um, but they don't want you to opt out. But I can tell you they've made it a little more difficult. If you go down to the bottom of the page under Contact Us... Mm-hmm. Click on that. It should take you to another page, and there should be an opt-out button. Yeah. But make sure it's familytreenow.com. Yeah. Yep. You don't have to have date of birth. You don't have to have anything other than last name and state. Yeah. And then it'll give you a list. You can go in and opt out for your parents, for your siblings, for your kids, for everybody. And you need to do that. This is another way, too, that identity theft Mm -hmm. they're able to go in there and find out the makes of the cars you've always owned and when you get new credit of you know certain credit cards and stuff it'll ask you those identifying questions did you ever live at any of these addresses well they have all your information yeah so go to familytreenow.com and get that stuff off of there yeah and i know for me this was something that I wasn't too worried about. Like coming out of the academy, I was all paranoid, and I was like, "Oh, no info, no, no Facebook, no nothing." And it, as you guys know, I have a Facebook now for the podcast, and I, I even have an Instagram, which I'm going to be deleting later today because I can't stand it. Thank you, Instagram. I hate you. Um, and so I'm going to be just sticking with Facebook. But even any of the the social media stuff, having your info out there. For just like your standard person, there are risks, right? Who's sure. not law enforcement? Sure. There are risks. People taking your info, people knowing too much about you. It's, and I, I have my arguments against privacy and why we want so much privacy, but maybe that's a discussion for another time. But you, you need to be able to protect your family. And if you just have a bunch of these doors open, which is what these websites are, they're just open doors into the information of your family, right? It's hard to guard all those doors. So if you limit what you have open and what people have access to, 
then you can just control the flow of information and who's involved in your life and who has eyes on you yes. and who's who's who has influence in your life, right? So I'd say that's an important aspect of that. Getting yourself limited, especially as a law enforcement officer, because of the people you contact. Now, as a regular beat cop, maybe, maybe not a big deal. Depends on your department. Depends on what you do. If you're a traffic cop, you probably don't have to worry about it as much as, say, somebody on a gang unit, right? Right. You're dealing with people that might be a little more organized. And in my experience, have had people that they literally pay to find info on you. Sure. So it you got to assess your threats and you got to pay attention to that. Uh, and this is a practice what you preach moment. I'm going to go home and make those plans today. Um, but there's, there's a couple of websites out there. Um, we got one that we like, but we're not going to name them cause we're trying, <laughs> we're trying to, uh, we're yeah. trying to build a relationship with them, but there, there, there's, uh, some good websites out there that can do this stuff for you for a nominal fee. Yes. Right. Um, you and know, hopefully little- we'll have that by the next podcast that, yeah. that we have none of us have ever used them i don't know anyone who has used them yet but uh we want to do a little more background on them and make sure that they operate the way they do and yeah. so that'll be coming up in future podcasts because right now there, there's just too much stuff happening out here and we're all facing stuff happening in the next few weeks and the threats that have been made over the past year of well, that's why yeah, I ignore all coming those, into the... I ignore those polls, the text messages, everything Absolutely. online. Like, oh, yes. who are you voting for? Yes. I'm not telling you, man, because I don't know who you are. Well, I said I was going to write my German Shepherd dog in for president. But anyway, um, <laughs> which might be interesting. I got a call from Malaysia yesterday. And of course, I ignored it because I don't course. know anybody in Malaysia. Um, it was a 6-0 area code. And it said Malaysia. The iPhones know that. Oh, yeah. And then they leave a voicemail. And I was like, oh, that's strange. So maybe it wasn't a teleprompt or whatever. So I, I checked the voicemail. And it was a polling place there. It, I just read the, the text first. You know how it like turns it into text, like a transcript. I read, and it was asking me who I was voting for from Malaysia. What do they care? Like, it's right. It's that Russian disinformation and, yeah, right. and uh, influence yeah. coming in. Oh, now it's Malaysia is going to be our threat. It's crazy. Um, but you know, guys, this is just about common sense things, safety for families. Cause the last thing y'all need, in addition to everything else that's happening right now yeah. is Please don't overprotect your families. It's admirable that you want to have these conversations with them. They're part of this lifestyle. And spouses, if you're one who says, I don't want to hear about this stuff, we need to have a conversation. Because the reality is, is you can be your spouse's biggest stressor or biggest stress reliever. And we deal with so many issues in communication with couples and stuff here at Under the Shield. And these are things that can be remedied very easily. And, you know, if your department is interested, we have our training that's an eight-hour class where you bring your spouse or significant other. Let me say this again. Do not bring both because we've had that happen. <laughs> and that makes for a very interesting training day. It wasn't me, guys. I know you're going to ask. It wasn't Ace. Um, he wouldn't be here if it, if it were him, I assure you. I'd have found a different man. co-host. But these are things we have to educate them on. And they really need to hear it from someone who lived the lifestyle yeah cops try to do this and i remember thinking when i went to a few trainings that they were going to educate the spouses and i just remember thinking you've never been the one sitting there waiting to see the headlights come down the road at two o'clock in the morning when there's hurricanes going on and it's like you say that we have a dog in the fight right we're the spouse we're the other spouse yes so of course we want you to come onto our side, right? Sure. That's that's why it's easier, I think, when we sat in front of you mm-hmm. and you told us the same things that we'd been telling each other for 10 years. And that's what we hear. Yep. And it's because you are just, you're not there for any one party's interest. You're no. there for both of them to move forward. So, and that, that's why I highly 
advocate stress coaches, guys, with under the shield. It, it, I'm not one of them. Not yet. Not I'm, yet. I will He's be. He's working on it. But I'm not. Again, I have no dog in this fight. I don't make any money on this podcast. I just... <laughs> we I, sure don't. <laughs> Actually, I think we've spent more than, than we would ever make anyway. If you want to sponsor us, call us. <laughs> yes. Um, but it, it's really important because I've seen what it's done for my life, sitting in this chair, talking to you, yes. and learning tools... That Actually, ha- sitting on a couch, but anyway. Yeah. Because I do have a couch in my It office. is a comfortable couch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he sent a lot of people to us. Yeah, I do send a lot of people here. I really am a big advocate, guys. It's it, it's really important that you learn how to communicate to your spouse. It doesn't have to be through the stress coaches with Under the Shield, but I'm telling you right now, for me, it was immensely helpful, and they were really good at what they do. And I, I say they. I've only spoken with Susan in the actual stress coaching. I've talked with a couple other stress coaches, but not with this organization. But this was what saved my marriage, right? I had plenty of reasons to end my marriage, and I gave my wife plenty of reasons to end the marriage. End his life, but yeah. 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 And and we were able to work through it because we were able to communicate what was going on, Mm -hmm. and then we were able to effectively communicate how we're trying to solve it for the other person and for ourselves, right? Yes. What efforts we're trying to put in and what's expected of each person. And when you guys are on the same page and you're speaking the same language, and I don't mean English, you, you start to understand each other a little better, and you start to get proper expectations of the other person and that is so much healthier I, I can't advocate this enough guys if your marriage is tough and if you're in law enforcement it probably is and if it's not it will be you're welcome absolutely um you you should learn how to communicate learn how those tools work at just call somebody go somewhere learn and something remember we don't keep notes we don't keep records you call me and tell me your ace i'll probably believe you but um you can be bugs bunny or daffy duck or whoever you need to be but our Phone number that is toll-free is 855-889-2348. Again, 855-889-2348. And you will get someone. It probably will start out with me unless I'm in session or in a training or on the podcast. It will roll to another stress coach somewhere in the country, more than likely David Cohen in Alabama. Um, We have stress coaches all over the country in Canada. We will never ask where you are, your name, or any identifying information. We may specifically ask, are you fire, police, or military, so we can make sure we're getting you to the right stress coach. But we even protect your phone number. If you call that number and hit one for immediate assistance, that's the number that pops up on the stress coach's phone, not yours. So we have no identifying information. And if we get disconnected, you got to call us back because we won't have your number. But this is about making sure there's somebody. We're not a referral source. We're not going to refer you out somewhere else. Um, We're going to deal with it. And we've been doing this 28 years. So call us. Spouses can call us. Parents can call us if you're concerned about people. There's nothing we don't deal with. Um, Everything from addictions to post-traumatic stress to relationships to financial issues, all that stuff. We can educate you on these things. And that's what we say we do. We don't provide therapy. We provide education. You can email me at susan.simmons, S-I-M-O-N-S, at undertheshield.com. What's your email? Ace Walker? I don't know. I, I, you, you had somebody build it for me, and I never set it up because I'm a terrible co-host. Yes, he is, and we will get his <laughs> set up. You can email me. I'll forward it to him until he gets his set up. Or for now, you can message me directly on Facebook. I'll do that, too. Yes. That's fine. 
Um, but I'll, I'll get that set up this week. Um, I don't know what to tell you guys. Worthless. I'm, I'm terribly prepared. I'm, I, I know nothing. Uh, but anyway, send us your questions, your comments, things you'd like for us to talk about, and we will be more than happy to talk about them. And we'll have some guests coming up on here also at some point. Um, but we just wanted to talk about families this month. I guess this is our last. This the is last our one. last October. Yeah, we podcast. skipped one because we changed. Uh, right. So we we really appreciated all the feedback that we got from you guys. Yes, we, and we're really excited to have the audio only. We feel like this is Amen. much less formal. Yes. We, we felt like a, a bad episode of some CNN newscast. Yes, we did. Um, so this is much more comfortable. So I hope you guys are okay with the switch. Uh, I know I got a couple emails from you guys saying that you like the video better. Well, sorry. We'll put our picture on there. How's that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll just post a picture of my sad face. Yes. And uh, and we'll play the audio behind it. You guys can enjoy that. Uh, but you you mentioned something that I I'd like to just throw out there as maybe a, a teaser, I guess, sure. for for people on the on the next episode possibly. Sure. You were talking about um, working those stressors and and dealing with things in your life. One of the biggest things we talk about, and it is hugely underestimated, and people I, d- I just don't think people understand the power of good sleep. Amen. So so we want to talk, and Grossman touched on a little bit when we had him on. Uh, I know Susan, you've talked about it a dozen times since and we will in all these different episodes. To talk about it, yes. It is it, so good sleep, good nutrition, exercise, good vitamins, health, minerals, this, all of that stuff. Your your body and your mind, all your emotions and your physical situation is all connected. So this is a huge thing. So we should talk about that coming up. I think a lot of people have a lot of questions about this. Yes, people that I've very mildly educated because I'm very mildly educated and who have taken some of the changes I've done into their mm-hmm. life without seeing a stress coach yes. have seen differences. Um, it's a big, big deal. And like, we don't make money off of you guys sleeping. So listen in. We'll talk about... Or any of the products we talk about. None you know, of them. Yeah. Here's the philosophy. The brain controls the body, but how the body feels impacts what the brain thinks. So I had somebody in the office at 630 this morning. Very first thing I did, we got to get you sleeping. We got to get your yeah. body physiologically imbalanced so we will have that conversation on an upcoming podcast and again send us your suggestions yeah we'll talk about my experience what i what i learned when i first came in some of the things that worked for me really well and some of the things that i backed away from because i kind of already was doing okay there but i think that's really really important for people to hear about and it's something you can change today and it doesn't cost any money and other podcasts you might be interested in i'm actually a guest co-host that's right with jason schechterly on wednesday and with their podcast is called badge boys great podcast yes and if you don't know jason schechterly's story look it up Mm burningshield.com interesting name in itself um but i encourage you to look it up and has got a sense of humor he really does but (laughs) yeah i hope you'll i hope you'll visit us on that one since i'll be the guest co-host this wednesday ace will be in the audience yeah i found it i googled uh badge boys podcast on google and i was able to find it yes um they they are hilarious guys it's It's really good stuff it's like this but better and funnier Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. And we'll get there. We yeah. will eventually get there. Susan will be there on Wednesday. I'm going to be there in the audience. So yes. I'm sure I'll scream profanities into the radio at some Probably. point. Um, but yeah, hopefully we can see you guys there. You can go support their show. And yes. then uh, we will see you guys here next Monday. And uh, it sounds like we're going to be talking about sleep and taking care of yourself. Yes. Have a great week and God bless. Yep. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later.